Hello, and welcome to another episode of Powerful Conversations. I am your host, Noed, and in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about purpose activators. Stay tuned. Well, welcome back to episode four that's titled Purpose Activators. Thank you so very much for tuning in again. This episode to me, it is very exciting. I keep in mind that before I bring the word onto this platform, I've already talked to God. I've already meditated on this word. I've digested it. I've started to apply it on my life. And I don't want to set expectations really high, but I'm very pumped. I'm very excited about this word because at least to me, it blew my mind. Um, With that said, I want to go ahead and give some apologies well ahead of time. Okay. The type of scripture we're going to be reading today contains a lot of names that can be challenging for most people to pronounce, especially me. I'm going to try my best to do a great job and at least try not to butcher the names. They may not be pronounced correctly, but here we go. In addition to that, normally if you've been here, I know it's only four episodes, but if you've been here so far, you might've noticed that I normally just pull up a passage, a scripture. I may mention a verse outside of it here and there, but typically we just focus on that narrative. We just focus and dissect on that particular scripture. And today's going to be a little bit different. Yes, we're going to have the main scripture that we're studying, but I'm also going to be discussing a whole other scripture in order to provide context and background to the main course here. Okay. So if you're not driving and you can safely do so, I highly encourage you to pull up your Bible, which keep in mind, my version that I'm reading, it's a new living translation. Um, It's just what's easy for me to understand in English, having English be a second language for me. And also go ahead and get something to take some notes. Because like I said, we're going to go over some verses and let's get ready. All right. So today's main scripture, we're going to pull up 1 Kings chapter 1. And we're going to be reading verses 5 through 18. Do not be scared. We're going to get through it. Verses 5 through 18, we're going to read 28, and we're also going to read verse 20. So 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 5 5 through 18, then 28, and then verse 30. So it's a podcast, so if you need to, to pause it and to get your Bible and find it, go ahead and do so now. All right, so the word says as follows. About that time, David's son, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, began boasting, I will make myself king. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers and recruited 50 men to run in front of him. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? Adonijah had been born next to Absalom and he was very handsome. Adonijah took Joab, son of Zeruiah, and Abiathar, the priest, into his confidence, and they agreed to help him become king. But Zadok the priest, Benahiah, son of Jehoiada, 
Nathan the prophet, Shimea Ray, and David's personal bodyguard refused to support Adonijah. Adonijah went to the stone of Zolaheth near the spring in Enrohel, where he sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves. He invited all his brothers, the other sons of King David, and all the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite Nathan, the prophet, or Benaiah, or the king's bodyguard, or his brother Solomon. Then Nathan went to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, and asked her, Haven't you heard that Haggith's son, Adonijah, has made himself king, and our Lord David doesn't even know about it? If you want to save your own life and the life of your son Solomon, follow my advice. Go at once to King David and say to him, My lord the king, didn't you make a vow and say to me, Your son Solomon will surely be next king and will sit on my throne? Why then has Adonijah become king? And while you are still talking with him, I will come and confirm everything you have said. So Bathsheba went into the king's bedroom. He was very old now, and Abishag was taking care of him. Bathsheba bowed down before the king. What can I do for you now? He asked her. She replied, My lord, you made a bow before the Lord your God when you said to me, Your son Solomon will surely be the next king and will sit on my throne. But instead, Adonijah has made himself king, and my lord the king does not even know about it. All right, so now we're going to go to verse 28. And King David responded, Call Bathsheba. So she came back in and stood before the king. And the king repeated his vow. As surely as the Lord lives who has rescued me from every danger, your son Solomon will be next king, will be the next king and will sit on my throne this very day, just as I vowed to you before the Lord, the God of Israel. And then let's move over to verse. Oh, no, that was it. I'm so sorry. Yes. Verse 28 through 30. Alrighty. And before we move forward, I want to provide some background, some context, as I mentioned earlier. As we know, David, I mean, if you've been in church for a minute, I'm sure at some point somebody preached about David, whether it's the story of him killing Goliath, the story of him becoming king. There's just so many stories, um, and I get it. He's, he's a wonderful dude, imperfect human, but somebody whose heart was like God's, okay? Um, now, David had 21 children that are mentioned in the Bible. He had 19 sons plus one daughter. And then he had an infant that died um, when he was, well, an infant. Now the Bible doesn't mention his name, but if you're doing the math, that is 21 children. That's not to mention others that he had with concubines or anything like that, but the word mentions 21 children. It's also important to note that David was from humble beginnings. So he was the youngest of his siblings and he was one that if you read his stories, it just, the family was kind of, they, they would get irritated with him. Like, and they didn't really wouldn't think much of him. For example, when 
this prophet named Samuel came to his dad's house saying, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm here. What's up? And Samuel was there to anoint the next king. The dad brought all the, the older sons, the ones that were strong and, you know, just kind of essentially the ones who the dad, I guess, thought, oh yeah, this one is good. He's a warrior. He's this or whatever, but didn't really mention David. It's almost like he disqualified him in his mind. And in addition to that, David used to, used to take care of sheep, which back in the day, that was like a, a very humble job just to leave it at that. But David was, you know, also a guy who irritated his siblings. And when the siblings were there freaking out in front of Goliath and really scared and David went up there to quote unquote deliver food because that's what his dad sent him to do. And he's over here asking what's going on, what's going on. His siblings were kind of like, uh, what are you doing here? Just kind of, I guess the annoying younger brother, um, he, that's just who he was. Okay. But then in addition to that, if you read on first Samuel chapter 18, verse 18, it, David himself said, my father's house is nothing. Um, and this was in relation to David possibly marrying the king's daughter. But he said, my father's house is nothing. And a couple of verses down the line in verse 23, he refers to his family as poor. He says, how can a poor man from a humble family afford the price of the daughter of a king? So in order to provide context, you may know David as King David. He he had a, a palace. He had a throne. He had a lineage to pass down. He had generational wealth to pass down. But it wasn't always like that. This man literally came from humble beginnings, came from a poor family. Like his own family didn't even take him seriously. Okay. But somewhere along the way, and this is the verse that I'm like, this is the, the, the point in the scripture where I'm like, okay, we, we've got to read this. Somewhere along the way, God decides, I'm about to, I'm about to go into covenant with you, David. I'm about to, it's about to go down. Keep in mind, though, that a lot has happened. David He's being followed. Saul's trying to kill him. You know, he's going through a lot, which happens, happens quite often. Because keep in mind when God calls people or God reveals, even if even the slightest smidget of purpose in your life, there usually is a huge gap between that calling and the fruition of said purpose, the launching into said purpose. Because there's a lot of growth that has to happen in between. There's a lot of valleys and hills that we need to go through in between. God already sees the future. He's already called us. So that, that purpose comes with us. It comes packaged. Okay. It, it just comes with the original packaging. It's, it's included. The feature is included. The purpose is included. But he needs to season us. He needs to help us grow. He needs to... Little by little, mold us into the person that he needs us to be for that purpose. So if you 
are the type of person who you know, you know what, I feel like God is going to do something great in my life. Like there's a purpose. You're not wrong. We all have purpose. So don't get discouraged because you are not quote unquote living out your purpose. This quiet season, this season where you feel like nothing is happening, this is part of the journey. This is part of the purpose. So uh, just you wait, just you wait. But anyway, so at some point, like I was saying in second of Samuel, which I encourage you to read the whole chapter, chapter seven, but we don't have time for all that. Um, God decides I'm about to make a covenant with David. Verse eight says, now go and say to my servant, David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people, Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone has ever lived on earth. Now we go to verse 12, and then it says, For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will discipline him with the rod like a father would do so. And then in verse 25 of the same chapter, it says, and now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it as a promise that will last forever. So as we just read, and as we've been mentioning, um, David started from humble beginnings. A lot of stuff happened. And at some point, God makes him this crazy promise. Remember, he said, my father's house is nothing. And now God is saying, I'm going to establish your name. Your name is going to be so famous. I mean, so famous that in 2022, we're still talking about this guy. We're still talking about his descendants. We're still, we're still talking about the great things that God did in his life. Okay. But to fast forward, um, I don't know how, at what point did Solomon come into the picture in terms of this is the one. And at what point did David tell Bathsheba that, yo, our son, he's the next king. God has promised all these things in relation to him. He is the one. I did try to look it up and I couldn't find it. And I don't know if it's I'm missing something or I'm not researching it right. So please feel free to reach out. If for some reason you do find it. Um, I don't know at what point did Bathsheba found out, but I, I would love to, to know what she as a mother felt being told that your son, he's, he's, he has a purpose over his life. He has, he had a destiny that was selected by God. I mean, to be told by God that, listen, 
your child is going to be my child and I will be his father. That's huge. I don't know about you, but that to me is huge. As a parent to be told by God, I have called, I have called your children. And I can imagine, I can only speculate and imagine that Bathsheba kept a lot of these things in her heart, just like Mary did in relation to Jesus. Um, I know I, as a mom, hold a lot in my heart. I remember many years ago, my now 13-year-old daughter, she was in elementary school. Mind you, she does not recall this, but she said to me one day, or she asked me one day, Mommy, do you ever feel like you were born for something great? And that question took me aback because that's, that's a loaded question, especially coming from a child that's in elementary school. And I just said, yeah, I think so. And she said, okay, because... I feel like I was born for something great. And that's one of those things that I have kept in my heart. When my children sometimes say things or I get a snippet of what their purpose and destiny is going to be like, I hold those things in my heart. It's just something about a reminder, you know, being reminded that we we give birth to purpose, people. If you're a parent, you you, you know, you've given birth or you've adopted not just an empty vessel, you've adopted and birth purpose. And you get to see, and it's just amazing to get to see God's work through the life of our children. And sometimes I really believe that that's the whole point of us becoming parents and why God allows us to have children is because we get to understand him on a whole other level that we just, if we don't raise children and we're not parents, I don't think we can comprehend to that extent. Because there are times where, <laughs> where I'll catch myself, you know, seeing my kids just being dumb and fighting and doing all the things. And like, what are you doing fighting? You don't know that it pains me to see you two quarreling and instantly, boom, I like, okay. Is this what God feels like when his own children fight? When we worry about our kids and we see them go down a path that we don't exactly like. And it's like, oh, goodness. But the purpose that, you know, the the skills and, and the anointing and and the purpose that God has for you. Like, why? Like, don't do that. Like, why would you do that? Like, get, get you back on the right path. And, and then it hits me and it's like, is this what God, <laughs> is this what God says and feels like when he sees his children? Do the same thing. But anyway, the point being is that fast forwarding Adonijah, one of King David's son, he, he knew, he knew that it would take, he couldn't become king just all by himself. So usually at the end of the show, I say, I remind you all that conversation we can build and destroy worlds with conversations they are impactful so here we can see that adonijah had a conversation with a group of people that were going to help him become king help him try to get into a place he had no business in being and it is so interesting to me that the author of this book brought up a point in that 
yeah, this is David's son, but David had never disciplined him. So it almost shows that this could have been David's fault, number one. And number two, that this was not a good dude. Like this was not, <laughs> he's not the anointed one. He is not the one that God called. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, they were having this conversation on how to get this guy to become king. And I love it that there were a few, few men who decided, I don't want to be a part of this conversation. This is not right. I'm not about to help you become king. And didn't succumb to the pressures of helping him become king. It is so profound because how many times do we find ourselves in conversations where we may feel pressure to be, you know, to have an opinion that's popular amongst others. And we're just too scared or I don't know. We just don't want to look bad and we want to fit in. And then we mold our opinions to, to conform to the masses. Even when it's not right. Even when we know that is not what God has in mind. But these men stepped up and I have to say, I love it that um, Prophet Nathan, which again, I encourage you to read these these. First and second Samuel, read first, second Kings. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in, in these books. It's one of my favorites. Um, actually the old testament. I'm a I know we're we're in the New Testament era, but I love me some good old testament. Um but if you read some of these books, you'll come across Prophet Nathan a lot. This is a guy who clearly had no issues in in, in speaking up when he needed to. Mind you, David was king. He needed to be revered, but he had no, I want to say no shame, but it just really was a guy who we're going to speak what God says I need to speak, period. And he did. And I find very interesting that instead of him bringing this, this whole mess up of Adonijah becoming king directly to David because I'm, I mean, if you read the other stories that of him speaking to David, you would have thought he's good. He could just walk up to the palace, request a, a hearing, request a viewing with David with, king, with the king, and I'm pretty sure David would have received him. I mean, and he did, as we read. But he didn't. He didn't go straight to David. He went to Bathsheba, the mother who had received a word about her son. Now, in the Bible, it doesn't say how old Solomon was when he became king, but non-biblical scholarly sources estimate that he was around 20 years old. So he was technically an adult. However, Nathan had to go and talk to Bathsheba and remind her, listen, your son was the one who was position for this. This is the time, girl. This is the time to handle it. You need to, and he tells her, you need to do, you need to follow my advice. You want to live. You want your son to live. You want the purpose in his life to, 
to come to fruition, it is time to take action. It is no longer time to quote unquote, keep things in your heart about this. This is the time he activated that purpose. Now he was connected with God. So he knew this wasn't a fleshly, it's time to activate purpose. No, this is, he, he knew in his spirit, it is time to activate the purpose. Had he not had this conversation with Bathsheba, the rest of the book would have been a whole mess, would have been a completely different story. I wonder how long it would have taken for Solomon to get to the throne because, you know, God's word is final period. So if he called Solomon to become king, it would have, I believe, I believe it. He would have become king one way or another, but it would have, it just would have been harder. I think it would have been worse. But Nathan, he spoke up and he knew we got to activate the purpose. And Bathsheba did it. She she went up there and talked to the king. Now they they did a whole, <laughs> they did this whole thing of like, you go talk to him first and then I'm about to go talk to him, you know, which can borderline come out as manipulative in a way. Um, but they did what had to be done essentially in this case. They remind, even reminded David, like, hello, you're, you're this son of yours, Adonijah, the one you don't, you didn't discipline. He's become king. And this is God. This is what God said. And this is what you vowed and promised over Solomon. Purpose activate. Activating that purpose. And we see that even in Mary, when Jesus went to the wedding and they were running out of wine and she's like, Hey, come handle this. And he's like, woman, do you not know my time hasn't come? And she's like, come handle it. <laughs> she's just, you know, obviously I'm paraphrasing, please go read the word. Um, but she activated the purpose because it's time, you know, we hold things in our heart all the time. I mean, and not just in your children. I do it too. With, even with my friends, um, I've had a few where it's like, They'll tell me things and I'm like, have, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to write that book? Do you not think it's time to tell your story? You know, you, you're doing this. Do you not think that you can launch that? And yes, I tend to be a big vision person. I have a tendency to see, to see so much potential in people that sometimes it, it really hurts because they don't even, it hurts more when they don't see it in themselves. We're all called people. We're all called. And our purpose is very different from one another. And it's just so painful to sometimes see purpose just wasted away. Um, I walked by a cemetery not too long ago and It just, and I don't want to sound like a cheese ball, but in that moment, the only thing I can think of is how many of these people die with unfulfilled purpose, who God formed them because God tells us before I formed you, I knew you and I called you. So before he formed us, he already deposited something in us. Like he already had something for us. But yet sometimes we let life pass us by and we're not even taking steps. 
we're not taking strides, you know, and whatever the, because you know, you just kind of know, at least have a hint of the area in your life that God has called you. Whether it's to work with children, maybe you're really good at teaching kids or having the patience with kids, but you're not even trying to exercise that part of you. You're just letting life pass you by. Maybe you are a great talker and maybe it's your time to do your own podcast, but you're not doing anything about it. Maybe you're a writer and you're not even taking the time to write a sentence. Even if it's terrible, it doesn't matter. What are you doing about it? Whatever God has called you to do, and you, you, I think you know it, you may not know the full-blown purpose about it. Like you may not know the full-blown plan, but you have a nudge in your heart. And we have to activate that purpose, not just in us, but in our families, our own friends, relatives, and just be sensitive to the voice of the spirit because if we don't speak up, if we don't activate that purpose, our history can be completely, completely different. But in this case, I'm so glad that Nathan spoke up and that Bathsheba spoke up because he said to her, if, if you want to X, Y, and Z, then you need to speak up. You need to do this. You need to follow my instructions. She could have not have done it. She could have just let it be. Because remember, Nathan said, if you read the rest of the thing, Nathan wasn't going to talk to the king until she did. So he wasn't going to activate the purpose for her. He wasn't going to do her job. He activated her purpose, but she still needed to activate her son's purpose. This was her job to do for this particular scenario. And she did it. And that's amazing to have seen, because listen, if you read the rest, at least a couple of chapters, um, because after that, David, it says on verse 33, it says, the king said to them, take Solomon and my officials down the Gihon spring and Solomon is to ride on my own mule, which side note, if you don't see the symbolism in this, it's crazy. This is this is Christ is in the Old Testament. I don't know if you knew that, but there's a lot of symbolism in relation to Christ. Because keep in mind, God, this is what God said about Solomon. That he was going to establish his kingdom. He will be my son and I will be his father. And now here is Solomon riding into his purpose, into the fulfillment of his purpose by riding on a mule. Who does that sound like? <clears throat> Jesus. But anyway, I just found that kind of interesting. But anyway, if you read just a couple more chapters down, just what Solomon did, I mean, like, it, it, I'm just still in awe out of, like, the places that he built, the people that that he hired, the, just his eye for design. And I mean, and even first Kings chapter four, verse 12, verse 32, uh, I'm sorry. First Kings chapter four, verse 32, it says he composed some 3000 Proverbs, wrote uh, 1005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants 
from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from cracks in a wall. He could also speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. Like it just continued to talk about the greatness that Solomon accomplished. Now, was he perfect? No. Did he mess up? Absolutely. But the point is, none of this would have happened. I don't think so. Um, at least not right away. <laughs> it would have taken a long time and a lot of bloodshed. Um, had these purpose activators, Nathan and Bathsheba, not done their thing. And I encourage you to, to remind your own folks of the purpose. And it is time to change the course of our generation of our descendants, our lineage. And I personally have been very, very intentional about doing that. This past April, I was doing a lot of pondering, a lot of thinking about my children and what their lives are going to be like in the future. They... They have definitely gone through some things. And I started thinking about the quote unquote generational curses that are in the lineage. And I'm talking about both sides of their families through mother and father. And I started to think like, goodness, there's definitely poverty. There's been a lot of poverty. There's been a lot of alcoholism, a lot of you know, we don't follow God. We don't, you know, we don't believe in him or whatever the reason may be. There's a lot of, there's been a lot of incarceration. There's been, um, a lot of fights, quarreling, division. Um, there's even been obesity. There's been all kinds of chaos and messes, you know, divorces. There's just been, it's just been a lot of messes. And I, on that day, on April 8th, 2022, I had to make a drive out. It, I was going to be on the road about three and a half hours or so all by myself. And I took that time to pray because I love to talk to God when I'm by myself in the car. And I had to make a bold, a bold prayer. And sometimes that's what it takes. God invites us to come to the throne and be bold about it. Not disrespectful. You're going to come to the throne and be bold. And I said, God, I need you to cancel all them generational curses that I just mentioned. I declare that that's not going to be in my children's lineage. God, I need to make a pact with you today that you are going to do astounding things and all of those generational curses that have followed both of the sides of the lineage for years and years and years, generations and generations, that that's going to be canceled. And my children and my children's children and my lineage going forward is going to be filled with people that are full of purpose and that will love you and serve you forevermore. My children, my household, we will forevermore follow your decrees. We will follow you wherever we go. You will be forever present. 
I will be your daughter and you will be my father. God, you will be their father and they will be your children. Let's make a covenant. Let's make a pact today. And you know how I know that God heard me and as crazy as this sounds, because he took me to second Samuel chapter seven to say that I sobbed like a baby. It's an understatement followed by the Carrie Job song, the blessing that happened to have come on, on the radio. And it let me know that, okay, girl, I got you. And we have to make, we have to have bold conversations. Okay. Not just with ourselves. We have to really stop talking to ourselves and saying things like our house, our name means nothing. And in a practical manner, how am I implementing these steps in my own household? I'm trying to work on the way we talk to ourselves and we talk about ourselves, you know, okay, I was bold and came to the throne and had this powerful conversation with God, but now I need to bring this powerful conversation into my home and with my children. So saying things like, oh, we, we can't afford that. No, no, honey, that's not in the budget right now. Or I suck at this. No, no, no. I haven't developed a skill yet, or I'm working on developing the skill. Language is everything. People language is absolutely everything. Same things like, oh no, we, you know, we're whatever it may be, whatever negative self-talk. No, no, no. We need to start working on changing the language. And it's not easy because we're so programmed to, to speak a certain way, but it's time to start changing the language. We are chosen. We have purpose. Remember that it doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter where your family comes from. It doesn't matter. There's purpose. And also keep in mind that it's not just the calling. We have work to do. Generational cur uh, curses are broken intentionally. So if you have a generational curse in your family of poverty, you need to start taking action to reverse that. God will be with you. God will guide you. Just as you do it, keep God present. Keep the provider present. Not your eyes on the provision, on the provider at all times. But ask for wisdom. Solomon did. Ask for wisdom. And at some point, that curse, it's, it's going to be reversed, period. If you have the generational curse in your family of obesity, I know I have struggled with that. We're not perfect at it, but we got to make steps to get out of it, to, to do better. So our children and our children's children won't have those issues that that is taken care of. If you have a generational curse of people being academically uneducated and you feel like, you know what, this is something that's bothering me about my family, then... Let's start getting educated. I'm not saying go ahead and go to college, rack up debt, none of that. No, no, no. Let's start picking up some books. Let's start learning. Let's start. Let's just start. Let's start somewhere. 
You know, if you're saying, you know what, my family has never had a career. Nobody, everybody in my family just have really low paying wage. You know what? Let's break that generational curse. Let's start. Let's start somewhere. Let's learn how to become entrepreneurs. Let's learn how to do the thing. We have to activate our purpose. And hey, that may, you may be the key. You, you having the conversation with your folks, have the conversation with God first, have it with yourself because we need to be reprogrammed too. And then have the conversation with your folks. I know that was a lot. And <laughs> I hope all that made sense. I hope that it's not just me who, who, who got this because I received this word and it has transformed not just my own household, but who I am and realizing that we got this. And I hope you received this word. And if you loved it, share with people. You may be, you may be activating, you may be activating the purpose by sharing this with them. But anyway, remember, conversations can build or destroy worlds. So let's make them count. <laughs>